Hello, and welcome back to the Book Marketing Tips and Author Success Podcast. So today, so this is, sorry, Penny Sansevieri and Amy Cornell. Amy, I, I have to tell you, we got the most, we got such a lovely note from a listener. We've gotten actually several uh, notes and posts on our on our uh, comments on our blog from listeners who are just like, oh, we're avid fans. So I, which is always so flattering. And thank you all so much. We love that. But I went back and listened to a couple shows. And I really hate my, <laughs> I sound like an idiot. So I just want to apologize for everybody. If you're just listening to me to wait to see what Amy's going to say, I'm totally fine with that. I just sound so terrible on these Stop shows. it. As oh I'm my gosh. And I told her, because all of you listening have probably picked up on this too. I reminded her that she's the one that has to launch the show and keep the transitions going and, and make sure we don't have dead space. So I just get to sit here and sign and make very contrived comments. So I'm in the easy seat. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, this, so, so not so easy seat. Amy came up with the idea for the show today. And when we get our, as you know, a lot of times we get our show ideas from emails that we get or conversations that I have with authors or something that came up at at a writer's conference or something like that. This show, I want to apologize in advance for the repetition. I know we've had, we've done shows on this before, but apparently not everybody's listening to us. So it's, it's, (laughs) yeah. Let me just make the show really weird. Not everybody's listening to us. And this is still such an issue. The issue being, so I used to use this, and it's not something, it's not a phrase that I coined or like, it's not particular to me, but it's called spray and pray, where you spray a whole bunch of stuff up against the wall and you hope that some of it sticks. And what's ironic is that, and, and I think it's understandable to some extent that a lot of authors still subscribe to that because marketing is confusing. So you read a book or you read a blog or you go to a conference, you think, oh, that sound, th- these five things sound like fun. I'm just going to do all of those. But a lot of times authors don't bother to ask if those marketing, the, the marketing things that you're doing really match what your reader wants. And it's also not a very strategic way of going about your book marketing. And it, ends up, what ends up happening is you get, you know, sometimes authors show up on our doorstep and they are exhausted. They're broke. Cause they're like, oh, I've spent all this money and this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know why did you look at an author one time ran an ad in a movie theater before the, before the movie. So those ads that run and you know, first off, the ad, th- there was no match to the movie. I, I mean, I guess the theater needed the money because I would think as a theater owner, you'd be like, well, let me match this up with, with a movie that makes sense. But um, it, it was, it was I, I don't know how much it cost. I'm imagining it probably was upwards of $10,000 or more. And it was one of those things that this author checked off their list where it, you know, it left them deflated because you have all these high expectations and you think, oh, this is going to work out great. So we see that a lot, and that's an extreme example, but we see that a lot in marketing that's being done that isn't really, I want to use the word thoughtful because that sounds like an author is just being careless, which I know you're not, but it's not, I mean, let's just use the word strategic again. It's not strategic enough. And something that I'm going to have Amy lead with this because we laughed so hard in the green room about this. The the impetus for this show was an email that Amy got from an author, and 
she, he or she, I don't remember the gender, but compared themselves to a particular author. And that was, that's kind of how they let off. And this is where we decided we need to do another show on this. Amy, do you want to, sorry, that was a really weird, this is why I'm a terrible host. (laughs) That was such a weird way to get to this topic. It was perfect. If you weren't the host, we wouldn't be doing this at all. So let's let's be serious. But no, we got essentially a press release from an author (laughs) and they flat out started that email off with, I'm the next Colleen Hoover. Right. And I almost fell out of my damn chair because I thought, whoa, you know this. And I actually looked the author up because I was like, all right, like, let, let's see where this goes, you know? So I looked the author up and I, I don't have anything negative to say, but I can say that there wasn't, they don't have a huge following yet. You know, they, they don't own a lot of online real estate. We've talked about that before in previous episodes. They just, you know, they were very new to the scene. Yeah. And while we can appreciate, you know, believing in your product, believing in your writing and having dreams, that is a huge claim to make. I was telling Penny that even saying your book is great for calling Hoover fans is a big deal. Like oh, that, yeah. is, that is a huge statement to make. If you're going to associate yourself with a household name author, essentially, especially for genre fans, you've got to back that up. You know, because I said to Penny in text, I said, because those fans will hunt you down and skin you if you have wasted their money and their time on a book that 100% does not stack up to what you're claiming it does. Right. And this kind of plays into, again, what we were talking about, the spray and pray. Uh, We see this a lot on social media, too, where authors will, because Again, social media can be complex. You know, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. And like Penny said, it has to be really strategic as much as we, you know, want to have fun with it. But we see a lot of authors just pumping out content. Like, here's my book. Here's how to buy it. Here's my book. Here's how to buy it. Here's my, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Wash, rinse and repeat. And what we definitely want, you know, kind of the the core of this is reminding y'all to put yourself in the reader potential buyer's shoes, because we're all consumers. We all know what it feels like to be marketed to, right? I mean, essentially, and I think that's easy to lose sight of as an author to remember or to think about like, how is the reader, how is the reader feeling when they get all these posts from me that just show my book over and over again? You know what I mean? How is the reader feeling when I say I'm the next Colleen Hoover? And maybe you know, maybe I have a little more work to do. Just, just remember who you're marketing to real people. And as Penny said, don't just check things off the list, really understand why you're doing it, who the recipient is, how you want them to feel. Because if your only goal is to have them buy your book, that's, that's not the point of marketing. You know what I mean? Yes. You want to sell books, but if your only goal for everything you do is to get that person to click buy right that second you're not focused on the right things. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of, you know, we, it's, you know, we, we understand that the clock is ticking. We understand that there's a lot of pressure. You wrote this book. I mean, I think that the most shocking thing to a lot of authors is that writing the book was really the easy part. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the marketing piece of it is much harder than writing. And I say this to somebody who is now getting ready to publish her 23rd book. I mean, writing is not easy. The truckload took me, I was like birthing an elephant and I've never given birth to an elephant, but I'm just sort of using my imagination here. Traumatizing, <laughs> I just got to tell you. <laughs> But it, it it is it the marketing part of it does get confusing when you start to treat it like a to-do list that you're checking off. Yes, it feels good to check off, to mark that off on your list, but if it's not pushing you forward, it's not doing anything and you're really just wasting your time. So I mean, my recommendation is if you're thinking about doing, so the first thing is, is that you want to consider like, for example, Goodreads. And I know Amy can speak all day long to Goodreads. She's really smart about that platform. She does all of our Goodreads campaigns. Um, But you should consider at a bare minimum to be on websites, get a presence on websites that are some pretty, you know, like an author's basic toolkit, right? Goodreads is one of those, BookBub is another. Um, whether or not you decide to do social media doesn't really necessarily matter in this equation because, you know, social media is, a lot of authors waste a lot of time on social media and feel like they're being productive. Mm-hmm. I think that you want to, you know, your standard toolkit, your standard author's toolkit, and then whatever you layer on top of that needs to have There needs to be a reason. There needs to be some kind of a tether to to your audience. So years ago, this is really going to date me. I used an example the other day in a conversation with somebody about Blockbuster Video and they paused for a moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, they have no idea what Blockbuster Video is. So I had to kind of, you know, re... Like, we had to talk about the VCR. It just... Right, right, exactly. Like, so back in my day when we were in covered wagons. So, but IBM used to do, and I knew somebody who was an IBM salesperson and she told me about this. IBM would literally put up a picture of their ideal, uh, uh, you know, market for their, you know, at the time, right? They were the first ones on the playing field, their computers and what they why they would need this, right? Why would they would need this computer? Where they might find it? How they might get influenced to buy it? And they created this entire, we do the same thing, with, which is called a reader profile, but they created this buyer profile. The more that you know about your reader, the more that you know about your potential buyer, the more that you can be strategic in your decision-making. And it becomes less of, okay, so I'm just checking all this stuff off and more of doing things that are actually making a difference. Absolutely. I I love that example. The reader profile, we should link to that in the show notes for sure. Yeah, I'll make a note for sure. Because it does make a huge difference. And I would like to encourage everybody to take that one more step because Penny mentioned the sites, the different platforms that can help an author out and again, help you increase your online real estate, essentially take a few minutes. You only have to do this once, take notes, but take a few minutes and seek out most platforms. There are, there's research out there, tons of Google results that will tell you what the demographic is like on those platforms. And, and just have that as part of your arsenal too. You know, when you're deciding like where to spend your money, where to spend your time, because while we encourage everybody to have a Goodreads author account that's, you know, well-rounded, fill that out. It's owned by Amazon. There's no reason not to play nice with Amazon in this day and age. 
no matter what. But you may find out that maybe just a small percentage of your demographic actually uses Goodreads on a regular basis. So maybe that's not somewhere that you want to spend a lot of your time. But you might find out that like, whoa, most of the users on Goodreads are the kind of people I need to be getting in front of. Maybe that's where you should be instead of on Facebook. You know, understanding who is using these platforms should really direct a lot of your marketing as well. So understand who your readers are and then understand which platforms they're likely using based on, you know, the data that's out there about who's using what. Right, exactly. And I think that if you are, so there's an inexpensive way. I mean, marketing research takes a lot of time. It takes money. I used to know some people who ran a market research company and that's not necessarily what we're asking you to do. But what I do think is a good idea is follow some of the top authors in your market and kind of get a sense of where they are, where they're landing in terms of their social media. How are they showing up online? And I'm not encouraging you to copy them, but I want it to inspire your choices and help you to make some smart choices in terms of where you need to be. Um, because, you know, do, are you going to be blogging? Well, is that something that you a have the time for? Cause we're going to, we're getting, we're going to do a show on podcasting and it's the same, you know, it all sounds great in theory until you sit down to write that blog post and you're like, I have nothing to say. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like I have nothing interesting to say. So if you're going to, you know, there are some standard things like Amy just talked about. A newsletter is another one. I mean, I think that's a really good place for you to invest your time. Um, but, you know, if you're going to do any of these things, just make sure that you can do them long-term and you don't have to do them every week. I mean, you know, you can run a newsletter once a month, you can blog once a month. It's not something that I'm saying that you have to do right away. But the other thing to consider too, and a lot of times authors overlook this, we just did a show on this. And as a matter of fact, if you go back through some of our, uh, our show, the show list on our podcast page, local connections, right? So local media, certainly, but local connections, connecting with your libraries and your local bookstores and shaking some hands and, you know, getting on, you know, pitching yourself to some of the, some of your local media outlets who are, by the way, always looking for guests or to feature local authors or something like that. I mean, there are things that you can do that are smart and the local stuff is something that authors so often overlook, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it's hard to go wrong. I mean, unless your book is, I, I mean, there's really no reason to do local promotion unless you're trashing your own town for some reason, right? In which case, yeah, you might want to go to another city, but um, there's no reason not to do some of these standard things. And then the rest that you do um, gets in accordance with your uh, reader market. So whatever's right for your reader market gets layered on top of that. Amazon's a great example. Amy and I do a lot of work, a lot of work on Amazon. You know, we talk about Amazon a lot. I just finished a book about Amazon. And the, the Amazon, your Amazon book presence gets fragmented when you just throw your book up there and you are, you know, your keywords are romance novel, for example, or your keywords are mystery book. And I don't mean to offend anybody listening, thinking, well, those are my keywords. Aren't they good enough? Contact us today. No. 
now y'all know why she's my co-host. I always forget to mention that. Um, it, but you, ha- I mean, Amy, you see this a lot when you're doing Amazon mm-hmm. keyword and evaluations and things like that about the keywords that authors have that are so um, general, that are far too general for that book to be successful. Yeah, we. that's definitely, I feel like the two extremes you have to be really careful about. And I've actually seen that crop up a lot more recently, Penny, with authors that have come to us and, you know, we in our proposal, we'll put the keyword in category research and they say, oh, well, I used a machine. It's not a machine, but I call it a machine. I used a machine for that. These are my keywords. And I can't tell you how wrong they are every single time. But when I mentioned the extremes, like you said, too broad, too general, mm-hmm. humans don't think like that. So if humans don't think and search that way, it's not going to work. And then a lot of times what happens with these um, aggregators is that you'll get keywords, key phrases that are so specific to your topic. You're also going to miss a lot of people, you know, because nobody is rarely is somebody searching for your exact book. You know, if, if they're being that specific, they're going to go right to it because they already know you, they know what your book is, whatever. But so when we get authors that come to us and go give me their list of keywords and they're so specific to their content, it's like, I can assure you in every, and I will, I'll throw a couple of them into and do a little research on them before I, I respond just to make sure. But usually my gut instinct is right. A lot of times you'll see maybe three search results in all yeah. of Amazon. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's not enough. You know, that is, <laughs> so there is a sweet spot there that is really hard to find um, unless you get out of your own way or get some objective feedback, you know, and recommendations. Right. Right. But it is, it, you know, it does come down to, um, I understand, I think checklists are great. I love lists. Amy and I work off of lists all the time. We use systems internally that have lists on them. We love them. But you got to make sure to put the right things on those lists because it's kind of like, you know, making a cake or making any, following any kind of a recipe. If you throw the wrong things in the bowl or in the pan, it's never going to turn out right. Mm-hmm. So too so too many times authors are just showing up to do something and checking things off the list. And then a lot of times walking away and thinking, I'm not really sure why I did that. So figure out where the where the connection is to the reader. I mean, I used to say, you know, find five reasons to do something, right? Find five reasons that you need to be, I need to be running Facebook ads, or I need to be on Instagram, or I need to be um, going on a national nationwide book tour. Like I, I want actually 10 reasons why you should go on a national <laughs> tour because we're talking gas and hotels and yeah, I mean, that's a lot. We still have authors that, that, you know, want to do that. I think I, I, I applaud you. I would never do that for my book, not because I'm lazy or I don't like leaving my house, but I'm kind of lazy and I don't like leaving my house. <laughs> no, I think you make a good point, Penny. We've did we did an episode on this. I, I wish I could recall the name right now, but essentially, you know, the, the supporting elements. So yes, make a list, but know that for each thing on that list, there needs to be a couple supporting elements. You know, you mentioned Goodreads earlier. This is a very easy example. Yes, run a Goodreads giveaway to get your book in more hands. But 
you need to follow up and reach out to some of the winners, see how they're liking the book. Yeah. You know, join some groups, see if your book is getting mentioned in groups, little things like that. Those are the kind of actual connections that really elevate you to the next level. Cause anybody can run a Goodreads giveaway, you know, that's available yeah. to everyone, but you are the only one that gets to reach out and potentially start a conversation with your winner. You know, that's what makes you different. That's what makes you unique to that reader, potential buyer, potential long-term fan. Well, and that's actually a really good, that's a, that's a really good segue into the real reason that you're marketing is you're marketing to build relationships, not to build readers, which I know sounds a little crazy, right? Like, oh, but I want readers. You actually want relationships because you can get one person to buy your book. And then you think, well, but I made that one sale and that's great. 95% of books are sold word of mouth. This is a statistic that came out of um, digital book world a few years ago. And the reason that you want to build relationships, like Amy said, you want to reach out to, you know, your Goodreads winners, you want to build, you want to foster those relationships is because one person can sell you help you sell lots and lots of books. So those relationships really matter. So it becomes less about, here's a list of my marketing things that I'm going to do, and I'm just going to go through and check them off and feel super productive. Tear up that list, start a new list, and focus on the things that can help you to build and foster relationships with your readers, because those are the things that will carry you long-term through your through your success. Uh-huh. Truly you know? Um, but I, I love this. I'm so glad we did that. We did a show on this. I think that, that marketing is, is, uh, we understand that it's complex. That's why we do the show because we love it. And that's why we have the blog. And that's why we have the business as Amy always wants to point out, contact us today, but, um, <laughs> I am shameless. I will own it. <laughs> She's so good about that. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Penny Sansevieri and Amy Cornell. And we're so glad that you listen. We love your feedback and we'd love a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.